0: You may be seated. Whether you're at home or in the house in the sanctuary of True Worth, I just want you to be still for a moment. Let that, let that worship linger. Just be aware of the greatness and the power and the presence and the love, the truth, the justice, the grace, the goodness of Almighty God. God, we are here to be in your presence, not you to be in ours. We're here to sing your praise, not you to sing ours. We're here to worship you. We're here to be a part of your plan, your mission, what you have going on in the world, not asking you to be a part of ours. We acknowledge, God, this life we live is is nothing but a gift. Each breath, this second, this next moment, the one that just passed and the one that's to come, it is only because you have allowed it and you have breathed it into existence. We are yours. And we acknowledge again today that we need you. So we ask you to teach us, we ask you to open our eyes if they've not been yet open our ears if they've not been yet to your presence to teach us correct us, encourage us develop us, shape us, mold us make us into the people that you created and designed us to be I ask you to do this in Jesus name Amen Man is God in the house today a what? a what? yeah Wow. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to find them. Get your notes ready, and we'll get there in a second. First of all, I want to introduce myself, especially if you're new here. Hello, everybody. My name is Rick. I am a sinner saved by grace. Hi, yeah, thank you for that welcome. And that makes me want to share some stuff with you. It makes me feel honest, be open and honest about what's going on in my life. And I hope that's the same with true with you. If you're new here, uh, I want you to know you're welcome here. Uh, warts and all brokenness and all, junk and messed up stuff, doubts and all, questions you have about God, not sure if you like church or not or all, Uh, you're welcome, whether you're in the house or you're online, you're watching this at 2 o'clock in the morning later on in the week. Maybe you're down at True Worth right now just kind of wandering around down there, and all of a sudden you stop and you say, what's going on there on that tube? Well, um, God is welcoming you here. If you're new, I'd love to meet you. If this is your first time here and you're in the house, I'd love to connect with you on the cro- out in the crossing. If you're watching online for the very first time, please shoot an email, connect. Love, love to do that. There'll be folks there on the line. They're chatting with you, connect with you as well. Uh, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. Now, we are in week six of a message series uh, we are calling Grow Together. And what we are doing is we are arranging our life around these steps that are going to help us grow in becoming a disciple. A little quick review. Step number one is that I am going to give up. I'm going to surrender my will and my life to God. And that's not a one and done thing. Every day of my life, I've got to stop and surrender because my nature is for me to try to take over and run my life myself. So i got to surrender every single day. Uh, step number two is I'm going to think up, is that every day I'm going to open up this thing called the Bible and I'm gonna fill my mind with great thoughts. And I gotta do that because I got this stinking thinking. I got these thoughts, these ideas that are running to my head that just that government, they always get me in trouble and cause trouble for people around me. And so I gotta renew my mind continually with this book. Thirdly, is I'm gonna look up and pray. Is that every single day I'm gonna reach up to God to be connected to God through this thing called prayer? And my prayer is not asking God to change that person. God, give me this. Give me that. Make this person the president. Make this person the speaker of the house. That's not my prayer. My prayer is, God, would you please give me the knowledge of your will for my life. The next right thing for me to do. The next right thing for me to say. The next right thing for me not to say. And then give me the power to do it. I mean, that's an everyday thing. And then I'm going to look in, I'm going to love in, as I'm going to surround myself, step number four, with people who really know me, and they really love me. Do you have anybody like that in your life? People who really, really know you, and they still, still love you, and you really know them, and you still love them, and you're going to do life together. You're going to share this Christian walk together in community. And not only that, the very next step, step number five, is, is that I'm going to invite them to hold me accountable. I'm going to ask some people, hey, listen, I'm going to ask you, please ask me some questions about my life, my goals, my dreams, my visions, and keep asking and bring out the best in me to help me become that person that God wants me to be and I need to be for the sake of my family. Please, help hold me accountable. Now, step number six, we just barely touched on, and it's really a very important step for the Christian. And step number six is I'm going to look in, which means I'm going to examine myself any healthy person is always doing self-examination not examination of the people around them we're good at that aren't we but not self-examination and I'm gonna look in my life to find where I'm weak where I need help and I'm gonna confess that to God and if I have to I'm gonna go to somebody and make amends that if I've hurt somebody I've said something I've done something that's caused a rift in the relationship I'm gonna own it I'm gonna go to him and say you know what I'm sorry, I messed up. What can I do to help make this right in our relationship? Now, those are the first six steps. And I will tell you, these are things that we never get done doing. This is a lifetime. I'm hoping we finish this series. You're not just going, okay, that was a great series. I'm done with it. Here's what I'm doing. I'm actually writing down these steps in the front part of my Bible, step one, step two, with the Scripture next to it, so I can go to them and just make it a regular part of my life, right across from where I have my mission statement in my Bible. So it's just a way of life to incorporate it into my day. I just encourage you to think about doing that. Now, we're at step number seven. Let me go ahead and give this to you there in your message notes. Let's go ahead and do this. We'll put it on the screen, and here's step number seven. I will live out my faith with God. Let me repeat that. I will live out my faith with God by patiently enduring everyday trials. This is a very important step. I'm going to accept the reality that every day I'm going to have problems, I'm going to have challenges, I'm going to have problems and trials in my life. Now this is a critical step for the believer we're talking about this is what's going to shape you into the person that you're going to become. And that's very critical. There are people who make decisions about whether or not they believe in God or not, whether they're going to go to a church be a part of a church or not, based on how they observe you and me manage the trials and the situations that happen in our life. Developing a patient endurance through these everyday trials. And the question is not, are trials going to come? Is suffering going to come? That is just reality. The question is, do these trials, do this suffering, does it have any meaning? It's going to happen anyway, but does it have any meaning? Now there are two different views about this question, about do, do the suffering and trials you and I have, do they have meaning? And, and one of these uh, kind of trains of thought is a a pessimism. I'm going to introduce you to a man from the 19th century, a philosopher called Arthur Schopenhauer. He was a German. He was an atheist, a philosopher who had this bleak view of life. He just saw life through this pessimistic view. And he's famous for all these writings that really shaped the modern world in which you and I live right now, and some of the philosophers who have doubts and questions about God and life and stuff like that. And he wrote this one little thing uh, called uh, Studies in Pessimism. So I'm going to read to you a few thoughts from this little treatise he wrote called uh, uh, Studies in Pessimism. He writes, Existence is so bleak, if we were rational, we would never have children so we could spare them the burden of existence. That's pretty dark. Today is a bad day, and day by day, it's going to get worse. In other words, Life is hard, and you die, that's it. That's really what he's saying. Uh, he's saying right here, the, uh, the best uh, comfort in affliction is the thought that somebody else is worse off than you. <laughs> he said, human life must be a mistake. Wouldn't there be a way to greet your kids in the morning? Hey, you need to know, your life is a mistake. You know, put that on a bumper sticker. Human life, nobody's going to follow you. I promise you, you put human life as a mistake. But that's what this guy did. And here he is right here. You can tell. He wasn't invited to many parties. <laughs> uh, he was negative. He, was, he saw the door. He was kind of arrogant and kind of uh, about life. He slept with a pistol underneath his pillow. That was his view of life. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. You got to have it all the time. That's just how he looked at life. Uh, so much so, there was a time he's in a hotel room Here's these two uh, senior ladies out in the hallway, and they're being too loud. He gets upset. He marches out in the hallway. You ladies, cut it down, be quiet, blah, 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 blah. And they didn't do that. And so he pushed them, and one of them fell down the line of stairs. She got hurt. Judge found her favor. He had to pay her compensation for as long as she lived. She lived for another 20 years. And after she died, this dude, I kid you not, he goes and gets a copy of her death certificate... And he writes on it in Latin, obit uh, onus, which means the old woman dies and the burden is gone. Thanks to you. Like I say, this guy had a bleak, harsh view of life. He wrote one statement, though, that I've been reflecting on with this text we're about to read. And here it is. We'll put it on the screen. Life presents itself As a series of tasks. Challenges, trials, problems. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. It begins when you're born. You're born and your first task is, I gotta breathe. (gasps) You gotta breathe. And then you look around the room and you say, you're the only one that's naked. So, you start crying. So, some of its clothes on you. Then you cry so they'll feed you. Then you cry so they'll change you. You cry so they'll do stuff you can't do for yourself. And then you gotta learn how to walk. You gotta learn how to talk. You gotta learn how to dress yourself. You gotta learn how to feed yourself, right? And then you grow up and you go to school and you got to learn to read and you got to learn to write. and You got to learn math. You got to learn to solve problems and solve equations and may have grades and figure stuff out and have good grades so you can graduate and get a job. And then when you get a job, you get a house and you got to pay bills. You got to figure out how to pay the bills. You got to figure out how you're going to make ends meet and balance the budget. And then you got to figure out how to, how to wash clothes and clean up the laundry and do all that stuff. And then you say you get married and you have kids. And then your kids start crying to get you to do what they can't do for themselves. And you got to deal with the kids. Then they grow up, and get into college, they go, and they gotta, you got to pay for their college. Or maybe you don't pay for it, you just bribe somebody to get them into a better university or something, right? You just do something like that, right? And then you get older, and eventually you just die. What a bummer. Or maybe you don't die. Maybe you just get old, and somebody else has to dress you and clean you and clothe you, and move you around, and then you die. Life is hard, and then you die. That's one thought away so many people think about life. But here's another way of life. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, tests, challenges, tasks, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, now this is an outrageously optimistic view about trials. Not circumstances, I want, you, I, I want you to know here, but it's not optimistic about us. this is what James is not, This is what James is not saying. He, James is not saying this. Hey, listen, if you follow Jesus, nothing ever bad is ever ever going to happen to you. He's not saying that. Here's what he's saying. If you follow Jesus, when bad things are happening to you. Good things can be happening in you. Now, you and I, we want good things to happen to us. In fact, joy for you and me is measured by what happens to us. Do I get the raise? Did I get the promotion? Did she say yes? Can we have kids? Do they like me? Do they accept me? Am I attractive enough? Do I get to get to vacation? The things that happen to us. God is less concerned about what happens to us and more concerned about what happens in us. That is the formation of our character, our courage, our poise, our steadiness in times of trials and pressure and hard situations. In fact, that would be number one there in your message notes. Life itself, life presents itself. God allows it as a series of trials to form my character. Now I want to walk through this verse here, a couple of these verses, and pull out one word at a time. And just try to pull out as many thoughts and ideas we can from each word. Okay? The first word we'll look at is trial. What is a trial? A trial is anything in your life that you do not want. A trial is anything in your life that triggers worry, anxiety, fear, anger, stress. A trial is anything in your life where your will, what you want, bumps up against somebody else's will and it creates some sort of negative sense of it's your will above gets the will of God, and something, that's a trial. It says, a trials of many kinds. That word many can be translated into any kind. Every kind. Trials that you cause. Trials that somebody else causes. Old trials, new trials, big trials, little trials, relational trials, health trials, money trials, job trials, kid trials, marriage trials, single trials, any kind of trial. Now, for the sake of clarity, this morning we're not talking about major trials that cause massive suffering. We're not talking about chronic disease. We're not talking about the sudden loss of a loved one, a child, or something that just devastates you and takes you to your knees. We've talked about that sort of suffering many times, that kind of trial. We'll do it again. It's a very important subject. For the case of this morning, we're we're talking about discipleship 101. This is beginner stuff. We're not talking about 301 and 401, advanced sort of messing with suffering. We're talking about the everyday trials that life presents itself. Every single day, just the day-to-day stuff. And they all had this differing degree of difficulty every single day, such as, you woke up this morning. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm still tired. I slept horrible last night. I got a long day. I just want to stay in bed. I wish the day didn't even come. Oh, day! I got to get up. Then you get up. You got to eat. I don't know what to eat. I eat too much. I eat too little. There's nothing to eat. What am I going to eat? Then you got to get ready. You go look in the mirror. You go, I hate my body. Go in the closet. I got nothing to wear. Nothing made me look good. I got nothing to make. I don't feel good in this. I got to change clothes. I got to change. I got to change. I got to change. My closet is empty. My closet is cluttered. Then you got to leave the house, right? You're going to leave. They say so you're going to go to work, and when you leave, you're on the traffic. It's a stop, stop traffic. I mean, stop and go traffic. You get in the very traffic, you go. Those jerks, those idiots. Where'd they learn how to drive? Blah 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 blah, 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 blah blah blah. Another trial. I hate my car. I've had this car for so long. Can I get a new car? This car's always breaking down. I hate my car. The car payments are terrible. Can I get a new car? I just hate this drive. The commute is so long it ever. Gonna and then you get to work. Can I just push the pause button there for some of us? Well, you need to understand the majority of our lives we spend, our waking hours, at work more than any other place we spend at work. We experience more trials and tests and challenges at work perhaps than any other place except for marriage. So much so this week in our life steps. Hope you know what our life steps are on our app every day. Scripture, and a question, a little thought, and prayer to deal with your work life. Because I know for some of you, that is where you're so tested. You get to work. I got too much to do. Too many emails. Too many phone calls. Too many appointments. Too many responsibilities. Too many deadlines. I don't like my boss. I don't like that coworker. Why can't they get rid of him? Why do they get to work at home and I don't get to work at home? Why do I have to work at home? Why do we have to wear a mask? I hate these Zoom meetings. Who wants to be on a Zoom meeting? They got the promotion. I didn't. I deserve that raise. I don't like it. I got a bad review. How come they didn't get a bad review? I'm underappreciated. I'm undervalued. Nobody really respects me. I'm not paid enough. People don't even know what I do around here. I had a fight with my spouse. I don't have a spouse. My kids, they're always into something. They're always texting, always calling, always checking in. They just can't seem to get it right. They hate Zoom school. They hate wearing their mask. It's always a battle having to fight that. They're making poor decisions about sex, about alcohol, about friends. I don't know what to do. How do I manage that? What do I do? My kids are stressed and anxious all the time. They're having doubts and questions about faith and whether God even exists, and I'm just... You're a young mom. You got kids. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. Uh, my, My husband... He doesn't even help. He's never, he already ever comes home. And he's so demanding of me. He doesn't really care. I'm like, I, I, I feel like I'm all. I'm married, but I feel like I'm by myself. You're the male. You're a dad. You're the husband. Nobody really respects me around here. Nobody knows how hard I work and all that I have to put in with. She spends all of her time with the kids. She doesn't even think about me. She has no time for me. Anybody here in the house online, anybody have any trials? It's so interesting. A lot of the things that you and I consider trials, people call them first world problems. They're pretty petty and trivial, aren't they? Man, I'm having a bad hair day. What's wrong with you? My hair sucks. Golf game's awful. Blew it. Last hole. Froze. The Wi-Fi is so slow. Can they just get some Wi-Fi that has a little speed? This is so frustrating. You're flying thirty thousand feet up in the air on a seat going to a destination that most people will ever never see. You want to get on the speedy Wi-Fi, but it's not so speedy, so you can email. And check all your stuff, and you can, flight attendant, can you please take care of this Wi-Fi I ought to have? I'm going, I'm so sorry that your little life is inconvenienced, that the Wi-Fi is not speedy enough for you at 30,000 feet in the air. For when you go on your vacation to Vail, Colorado for Thanksgiving for skiing, and the lines are going to be long, and you're so bent out of shape that the lines are going to be so long, it's just going to take so long to get there, it's just going to be so frustrating. And the ticket line, I'm we just get all bent out of shape, right? I went to that masseuse and they the pressure. The pressure was just this all wrong. It was a waste of time. She just didn't press in the right way. And I just cannot but it's just so ugh. I was rubbing my feet, my face, the facial just it was it was an awful facial. It was just terrible. I am never going back to uh. The remote is not working again. I've got to walk to that stinking TV eight foot, and I've got to change it. Would somebody please fix this darn thing? Does anybody find the password for Netflix? I can't get on here. Can somebody please fix this? The scripture says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, when you face trials, all the time, Moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, and you and I want to witch and moan, 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 witch and moan. And church, I'm just telling you, it's just life. Get over it. It's life. So I'm working on this message, and I'm praying, and I'm driving, and yes, my eyes are open. And I don't know what happened, but the light went from green to red. There was no yellow. I come to a stop, and I'm just a little bit too far out in the intersection, and there's a person walking by in the crosswalk. And they stop and just look at me and go I try to back up. The car behind me is right on my and rings on the horn, not a little Tee-tee. The honk of shame. Everybody look at him. He got into the crosswalk too far. He's causing the problems for everybody around here. This guy right here, he's in. And I'm going, hey, you crazy bozo people. I was talking to God. I was working on this message for my church people. Don't be blaming me for your silly little problems. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? Whenever you face trials, that word "face" literally means unexpected. When they come, when you are surprised. See, here here's the thing: Well, I initiate step one. I decide I'm going to surrender. I decide I'm going to read my Bible. I decide I'm going to pray. I decide I'm going to be in a small group. I decide that someone's going to help hold me accountable. I decide I'm going to confess my sin. Step number seven, trials, they just come. I have nothing. They just come. In your notes, uh, number two, unexpected trials are essential for my spiritual growth. Because you and I can get a little self-righteous. Hey, I go to church every Sunday. I watch online every week. I read my Bible every day. Yeah, I pray. I cannot believe you people did it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, really? See, we need these unexpected trials in our life. They are essential for my spiritual growth. They are necessary. When will they ever stop? Whenever they come. When will they stop? I'll give you a little hint. When your heart stops beating and your brain no longer has electricity going through it, you can expect the rate and the pace of your trials to go way, way down. But until then, Get ready, here they come, they're on the way. And for many of us, that's a slap in the face. Because, after all, we're educated. We have wealth in science and technology. And when some trial happens, you and I go, "Ah, that's just not fair. I can't believe that happened. Somebody needs to pay. Somebody, somebody, somebody ought to lose their job. Somebody ought to be sued. How dare that? I, I, I cannot believe it. I, 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 we act like we're shocked that they happen. Listen to what the Scripture says over here in 1 Peter. Dear friends, 4.12, do not be surprised. Anybody hear that? At the fiery ordeal, the trials that come on to test you as though something strange were happening. (laughs) This is so strange. I can't believe this is happening to me. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Please hear this. The goal of life is not to stop having problems. If that is your goal, expect failure you're setting yourself up for failure that's not the goal of life it's just not that takes us to the command in this text and the command is that when you face trials of many kinds consider it pure joy seriously James really All those things we just talked about, you want me to consider it as joy. What are you smoking, dude? (laughs) Is this some sort of little religious cliche that church people say, you know, just to be all holy and nice? Hey, consider it pure joy. Oh, just the joy be with you, joy of the Lord. Oh, Oh, you know, oh, just be happy, just be happy, just be joyful. But they really don't mean it. Until you understand who James is writing this letter to, it's to a bunch of people, moms and dads like you here online, here in True Worth, in the sanctuary, who have kids. And they know that half of them will never make it to adulthood. They'll die before they become an adult. Now, I want you to make sure you understand this. This is not just a point to gloss over. They loved their kids and close to their kids just as much as anybody here in this room. And when they lost half of their kids to death, it took them to their knees. Suffering. Most of them were poor. Dirt poor. Most of them were slaves. They lived and died, never owning their own life or their own body. Somebody else owned it their whole life. They were scattered and persecuted, much like the death that James would have. And he said, consider it pure joy. See, this word consider is a very important word. Consider. Consider means that I'm going to step back and look at my trial and evaluate it. Through a lens of faith. I'm gonna back up and evaluate it, try to understand it, try to think about it, look at it differently, try to interpret it differently, not through the wisdom of the world that says, get them, make them pay, buddy, baby, just lay it on. Through a different lens, I'm gonna look at. And when you know this word consider, consider is a virtue. That's something you do in your mind. It's in your thought life, where you intentionally back up and reevaluate. And so, in the Bible, it's everywhere. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter two, he says, hey, "Listen, consider others. Cons- listen, consider others more important than you are." Well, what's our human nature? I'm the most important person in the room. That's totally opposite of what you and I will do. Consider, them, but consider said Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped the scripture says In Hebrews chapter 11 it says Moses considered the sufferings of Christ as being more valuable than all the treasures of Egypt It says Abram and Sarah who were way past childbearing age considered the promises of God as being true and faithful And the Apostle Paul, when they said, your resume is something else, he said, I consider it rubbish. And the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 26, when he is asked to stand before King Agrippa that would take him into prison and eventually his death, he says, listen, this is is incredible. He says, King Agrippa, I consider it a privilege to stand before you. No other prisoner said that. Why did he say it? Because in that trial, he could introduce him to Jesus. Consider means to reassess the situation, it means to run the numbers again, it means to back up and relook at your current reality. As not just a trial, but an opportunity for you to be aware of the presence and the care of God in your life in this here moment. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now I remember, remember, remember. We're not talking about we're not talking about those big old those big old honking trials. The every day, to day, to day, to day thing. I'm talking about the trial, of the problem sitting next to you right now. Don't look at them. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, the testing of your faith. And here's what we do. Next thing in your notes. Consider means I look through my trials not at my trials, i look through my trials and I see God at work, I consider, I consider, I consider that God is working in the midst of my trial to shape and form me wow now the word joy, I want you to notice what he says there consider it joy, now he didn't say just any kind of joy first of all, somebody tell me what the Greek word for joy is, you have any idea what the Greek word for joy is It's joy. Consider what kind of joy? Pure joy. Not just joy. Incredible joy. Excellent joy. Amazing joy. And you go, listen, listen, James, it sounds like you've been hanging around your brother Jesus too long. I mean, your brother is rubbing off on you. You know what Jesus wrote in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount? We'll put it on the screen. I'll kind of paraphrase. He said, rejoice when bad things happen to you, when people lamb blast you and say bad things about you and mistreat you and blame you and say things about you in my name. Be happy. Be glad. Rejoice. Consider it joy. Really? Serious, Jesus? You really mean that? Why? Why would anybody consider it joy? Verse 3 there in your text. Because you know. Let me say that again. And I want you to hear it from the gut of my soul. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. you know. Down here, you know. It's producing something. It's not producing anything that's going to get you on the cover of a magazine. It's not producing anything that's going to make you famous. It's not producing, it's going to make you a social media influencer. It's not going to give you money. But I promise you this, I promise you this, that one day when you get into the kingdom of eternity, it will be considered amazing in you when God sees it in you when you get to heaven. God is testing, the the testing of your faith. God doesn't send the test. God uses your trial as a test. He doesn't send it, he uses it. Not to discourage you, but to encourage you. Not to defeat you, but to develop you. Not to tear you down but to build you up and make you stronger. Make sure I'm clear. I'm not talking about these major trials, this suffering that some of the heroes of this church that have experienced and the death of a child and the loss of a loved one that was so catastrophic that it took them to their knees, and day by day they just barely can hang on. Those heroes of the faith. I'm not talking about that church. I am talking about... Finding God in the traffic mess. Finding God in the computer crash. Finding God in the snarky email. Finding God in the conflict. Finding God in a little tension in that little day-to-day thing. Every second, the line is too long, the people are too short. If you're not getting it done, that little problem, I'm talking about God, finding God in the middle of that. That trial. So this past week, I put aside working on this message because I had a trial I had to deal with. And I'm on step three. I'm praying. Man, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm asking God to give me the knowledge of his will for my life, for what I to do, because I had something I had to take care of. It's something that kept coming up. I'm the only one that can handle it. It's my job here to handle stuff like this. And I had to deal with it. It's a trial I hope would go away. It wouldn't go away. It just kept popping up. Anybody have anything? You just kind of hope it goes away. And you just kind of don't do anything about it, and you just kind of wait, but it keeps on coming back and keep coming back and, and goes, you know what? It's in you gotta handle it. And oh, how, what do I do? What do I do? God, my life would be so much better if I didn't have to deal with this. Anybody ever said that? And I get I'm in the middle of this, so I get this text, and I look at it it's from my wife, and it very simply says, Hey, babe, just thinking about you. Let you all know love you. So I'm praying now, right? And I get this text, and it was just boom, like this idea that God, you know what, hey God. Rick, I want to let you know something. This is God. I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you. And uh, I love you, and I'm with you, and you're going to get through this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you in this. And I thought, wow. It's like God spoke to me in that moment through my wife. And there was just that little, okay. Now, the, the, the question is, I know some, some, some folks are asking, is it 100% proof positive every time that my wife speaks to me that God is speaking through her? absolutely yes (laughs) i I know how to stay in my house absolutely without question but the point here is this is that in that moment i was aware that i could stay connected to god i could be aware of the presence of god and be reminded that god will never leave me or forsake me and nothing can separate him from that my love in that moment That if I I stay connected to him when I'm feeling all this stuff building up, if I don't get angry, if I don't lose my cool, if I don't lose my temper, if I don't snap, if I don't kind of make water myself, and if I don't go the other end too, if I don't just crawl into a little hole and go, oh, I don't want to deal with this. I'm so sad. I've got nothing. I'm not smart. And just kind of be a pleaser and kind of placate people, pretend it didn't go away. If somehow I can be courageous and loving and bold and kind and gentle and firm, in the grace of God, I'm going to grow in that experience like I never would before without the trial. And I'm going to be more self-aware of my own spiritual condition and where I need God's help in my life. And it wouldn't have happened. Because of that, I can say, consider it pure joy, Rick. When you face that trial, because it is producing a perseverance of your faith. Consider me pure. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who's. He is in the middle of it with me. In Romans chapter 8, chapter 18, we're almost there. Stay with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, I consider our present sufferings, there's that word again, consider, I consider, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed, does it say to us? In us, not to us, it will be revealed in you. It will be so glorious, it will be incredibly, beautifully, wonderfully fine because of what's happening in you, not to you. Let me ask you, what's happening in you? Are you just concerned about what's happening to you? See, you and I think that joy is when I have joy-filled circumstances. And when I have bad circumstances, I'm ah. Here's the last thing in your notes. Pure joy is having great character regardless of my circumstances. (sighs) Circumstances are temporary. Character is forever. Pain is temporary. Joy is forever. God is not in the circumstance design business. God, give me that house. God, give me that blouse. God, give me that spouse. God, get rid of that louse. That's not God's job. God is in the character design business on what's happening in you, not too. Now, I want to finish this by telling you a story about James, and here's how we're going to finish. Because some of you may not know this, about James, who wrote this. James was the brother of Jesus, his little brother. And I want to share this story with you because this was a turning point for James, and this might be a turning point for somebody here watching online here, this might be a turning point for you. And here's what happened. Some of you probably think that James had a leg up on having joy in good circumstances or on faith, because he was the little brother of Jesus. But the Bible tells us differently. In fact, the Bible tells us at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry that the family of Jesus, they said, he's crazy. He didn't even like he belonged to our family anymore. In fact, at one point, it says the brothers did not believe in Jesus. That includes James. He thought he was deceived. I started thinking, I wonder what it was like to grow up as a sibling to Jesus, growing up in a house like that. Any of you here have brothers and sisters? Anybody here have siblings besides? Anybody have siblings? Anybody have siblings? Big brother, big sister. Okay. Anybody have, siblings? Anybody have fight or struggles with your conflict with your siblings? Anybody ever have that? Yeah. Can you imagine Jesus and his James getting to a, to a conflict with their brother? Jesus, you always think you're right. Well. <laughs> Jesus, who do you think you are? God. Well. Imagine how tough that was. Imagine how tough it was on Jesus when he gets on the cross and he's hanging and he's strung out on the cross. And he looks out and he sees his mother over there, and his mother is just crying weepily, and he looks out, and doesn't see one of his brothers there. Not a single family, not a single brother shows up. He said, Who's gonna take care of my mom? He has to go to his best friend. Hey, John, take care of my mom. Mom, he's got, he's got you okay can you imagine how James felt later on when he realized the truth and he said, oh, my mom, and she was just so crushed and I just, I wasn't there for my mom. Can you imagine how terrible that was? Over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have a very interesting thing to enlighten us as we walk out the door. It says here that according to the scriptures, after he was resurrected, that Jesus appeared to Cephas then to the 12, after that he appeared to more than 500, and then it said he appeared to James. Wow. Everybody else just met Jesus when he was an adult, but James had known Jesus his entire life. Can you imagine how that conversation went when those two guys met together for the very first time after the resurrection? I can picture Jesus going, Hey, Jim, what's up? Turns out you were right, dude. It's me. And I can picture James just going to his knees and said, Oh, Jesus, brother, I'm so sorry. I wasn't there when you needed me. I didn't believe in you. I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, please forgive me. I failed you, brother. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. And then he started lifting all of his sins like a brother would to a brother. And then I can see Jesus just open up his hand and says, stop. You see this? Hold my hand. Just stop. You're forgiven, brother. You're forgiven. And in that moment, James went from doubt to faith. From despair to hope, from death to life. Changed everything for his whole life. Consider it pure joy. And I just want to say, if you've not had that experience, you can do it right now. You can do it here this morning. You can be like James. Say Jesus, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I doubted you. I'm not trusting you. I, I have. I bought into the to the theories of the world. Pessimism, pessimism. There's no God. Life is hard. You die. Blah blah blah. But today, but today, I know you're really the risen Christ. And I just, I give my life. You can do that, here in just a In fact, next weekend we're having baptisms. It'd be incredible for you to be one of those folks who chose to get baptized. We have pathfinders today at 12:30. It's a Zoom thing. We're gonna put in the chat, but stop at the welcome center and they'll sign you up for it and next week you can come into worship and we'll have you come forward and you say hi my name is Rick I'm a sinner saved by grace we'll go hey Rick and we'll cheer and celebrate welcome to the family we're just so glad we're considering joy what God is doing in your life that would be awesome and we'll just walk with you through this life and help you grow and learn in faith and we'd invite you to think about doing that but for right now you know what I ask When you walk out this door, start practicing what you just learned. When you get out there and the coffee's all gone, and you're and your kids won't come, come on, kid, no, I just want to talk, I want to talk, come on. And your spouse lingers, and you want to go to the car, you know what I'm talking about? And I keep talking right now, and you're ready to leave? Uh Uh-huh, you don't think I don't know? Oh, yeah. Find God in the midst of whatever you're experiencing right then and let the process begin now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till tomorrow. Right now. Find God in every breath. And consider it all joy. Just right there where you're seated, online, True worth in the house, just for a moment. If you want to, just repeat after me God, I'm so sorry. I doubted you. But this morning, I'm here to declare, or maybe you're watching online in the middle of the week, I I need you in my life. The trials daily trials. I can't do it on my own. I just keep on messing up and I can't get past myself. Please forgive me. Would you come into my life and give me the power to be the person you made me to be? I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And if this is you, just just for a second, just everybody else, eyes head down, but if this is you, just kind of look at me for a second, just give me advance, let me see your face, kind of raise your hand just right in front of your face, and, so I can just give you a word of encouragement and pray for you, okay? I see you back at the back, I see I see you, sir, yes, I see you at the back, I see you. I see you too, yes, ma'am. God, we thank you for your goodness. For the strength of your character and who you are for your grace and for your truth help us God to persevere and that our witness will lead people to you not away from you as we considered all joy in Jesus name amen Amen. hey thanks for coming if you're new I'd love to meet you online please check in we'll see you next week bye